Welcome, everyone. On today's episode, my guest and I discuss touring and market niches. My guest is in her late 20s and based in Toronto, though she does a healthy amount of touring in case you'd like to catch her in another city or country. Uh, I've been fangirling over all her epic photos since I met her last year. She's very talented at marketing herself and looking dropped at gorgeous, of course. I hope everyone enjoys my wide-ranging and engaging conversation with the talented Miss Nia Moore. There's a lot of people who are trying things that they've never tried before. Sex! Why do you think people don't see it as work? I don't know. I think there's just too much stigma. What do you mean we can't just go tell people? The vast uh, complexity of human sexuality. The escort. Deconstructed. Hi, Nia. Welcome to the podcast. Hello there. How are you today? <laughs> Not bad. We are still enjoying the sun, thank God, for now. And we'll hope this construction, like, behaves itself while we're recording. <laughs> okay. It's unpredictable. Uh, so, please tell me, how long have you been in this industry to date? Um, I've been in this industry for about 10, 11 years, on and off. Um, yeah. Yeah, that is all I'm going to say. You, you must know every... I feel like I'm still learning every day. Do you think you're still learning every day? I think I'm still learning every day because I realize like it's not a static industry. It's constantly changing and evolving and the rules keep changing. Totally. So, yeah. Gotcha. Once you think that you have it figured out, you're starting over from scratch again. <laughs> but now you know that. Yeah. You're so wise. <laughs> you must be just really good at being adaptable then. And that's quite the skill. Like... Yeah, adaptability is a very important skill in this industry. I don't really know how to, like, tell myself to get better at that, though. <laughs> you just got to, like, pray and hope, like, I'm good with change. Yeah. Uh, so how did you, in the first place, uh, find out about this industry or decide to get involved with it? Um, I remember hearing about friends in university talk about, like, massage parlors or rub and tugs. Mm. And um, I those went, were all the rage like a decade ago. Um, I looked into it and decided against it. And then when I was coming close to graduating and I realized that a lot of the financial responsibilities that went along with school were going to end up being my financial responsibilities. You know, Damn it. Promises were made and <laughs> promises were not kept. Um, that's when I researched this industry. I watched Secret Diary of a Call Girl. Like, that was one of my favorite, like, sitcoms at the time. And I was like, this is doable. I can do this. That's a good show. I like that show. Yeah. It's been a long time. What was that? 2010 it was, like, released? 2008? I don't even know. I kind of want to look this up. It is a classic, though. Yeah. How many seasons were there? Was it just the one? No, there were a few seasons. I think I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure there were, like, three or four, which is, like, Four seasons for any kind of British drama is a pretty good run. Oh, yeah. There are four seasons. Yeah. Good on you. It started in 2007. Mm-hmm. Oh, a 7.2, 7.4 to 10. That's actually really good for an yeah. escorting show back in the day. <laughs> so watching Secret Diary of a Call Girl kind of turned you on to like looking into it? Yeah. Yes. I was kind of getting used to my sexuality and exploring a bit, and I didn't really feel safe doing it within the confines of my social group. So yeah, so I was like, okay, I can pay off my OSAP and um, be my best hedonistic self. That just sounds and like a win And it just kind of made sense. Like I was not comfortable with being labeled a hoe 
in like public or social circles. So but like, like on the internet, you're like, hey. Yeah, hey. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't tell any one of your friends when you started doing this? Um, I told one of my friends when I started doing this. Um, I don't think that that was the best call. Oh God, what happened? No, she like stuff happened in university. So she was sexually assaulted by one of our other friends. And like, we worked through that together. Like I was her, I don't know, personal support system. Oh, good for you. (laughs) Um, But I was not equipped to have that role. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? And then I decided to do this and I thought that I could tell her about it. Cause like we joked about like, oh, we're broke, let's be. Yeah, she might not have been that (laughs) well receiving of this. Yeah, so I think that it was more to do with like where she was at. She wasn't able to like receive it. She didn't agree with it. She tried to talk me out of it. Um, I don't think she told anybody, but like I think one day she just kind of like blew her lid and kind of said like when you're ready to get your life together ask me for directions don't ask me for directions to some restaurant I feel like that is a hilarious <laughs> yeah. expression I feel like I've gotten that one from friends too kind of like this is the source of all the problems in your life and you need to stop yeah. doing this and get your life together yeah. not seeing that it was like one of the big reasons I could be independent and mm-hmm. do all this fun stuff it's very easy to like blame the one bad thing or socially unacceptable That's thing as like the yeah. root of anything that makes you upset in life yeah so you told her and you didn't tell anyone else. Uh, have you told more people since? Um, more recently, like within the past, like maybe three or four years. Um, my best friend knows, like my best friend in the entire world. So that was a relief. Yeah. Yeah, that was a relief. You, you need that one person. Yeah, you need that one person. And that one person that knows you to the point where like... They will love you regardless. <laughs> I'm sure that she actually, if she's okay with it, loves hearing kind of like the hilarious story sometimes. Like, yeah. what happened? Yeah. <laughs> um, so how did you find out what to do, really? Did you start at an agency or did you kind of like find a mentor? I guess you said you did alone, so no mentor. Um, no, no, no. I Well, yeah, I did alone, but um, the agency that I first worked at... Mm. I don't know if I should, like, I don't want to, like, name people who I have not spoken to in forever and a yeah, day. Yeah, you don't have to say who it is. Um, but, yeah, it was an agency in Toronto. Like, they're, they don't get a lot of, like, they don't advertise on some of the usual boards, like, Turb or et cetera. However, like, I think that they're one of the best in terms of volume. Hmm. But they don't do reviews. Like, guys don't usually review them because the girls are expensive and hot. Like, if you want an expensive, hot party girl, that is the agency you call. Like, I remember I would work there on weekends. I'd go in, like, from Friday to Sunday. And that's when you get your most bookings because it's, like, the all, all the after hours. Did they require a certain, like, availability? Like, you have to be available from, like, 7 to, like, 4 in the morning or something? They didn't require that at the time I don't know what the situation is now but it's more like if you were not in the office so that they could see that you're ready to go the office yeah like you'd have to check into the office so like there's an office there's a couch we hang out whatever so if they could not see that you were ready to be sent out and represent them well they were not mentioning your name even if you called to say you're on call they're not sending you out unless you're in the office. Well, I guess that kind of makes sense if it's all about like presentability. Yeah. I'm sure you're not like too intoxicated or something. Yeah. And so how long did you work there before you decided to go independent? Ooh, I think I worked there for about eight, two, almost two years. Yeah. Cause like oh, eight to 
2010-ish, 2009, 2010-ish. So yeah, about a year and a little bit, two years. And you said it was just weekends only that they really... It was usually like evenings and weekends, like because of the kind of agency it was, like they would get calls. But if I went on, if I went in on a weeknight, the likely of me getting a booking was Yeah, nobody to wants none. to see someone late on a Tuesday. Yeah, so it was more like weekend calls. Like, don't get me wrong, like they get their, you know, normal like daytime one hour hotel calls, but it was more about like the weekend multi-hour. That's their hallmark. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a market for that, especially in like metropolis like this. Yeah. So would you say every like that's how consistently you did it for two years or was it kind of like sporadically? Yeah, that's how I consistently did it for two years. Like I go in. Well, it must have been nice if you worked there for two years. Yeah. Yeah. Like the owner's wife took a liking to me. Like she gave me a lot of advice. She helped me to figure out how to market myself, et cetera, et cetera. That is very useful advice. I feel like I can still use that. How yeah, to market they hooked yourself. me up with like an accountant, a doctor Holy. that got my boobs done. I got my boobs done for less expensive than they actually like cost because That's she just amazing. sent girls this plastic surgeon en masse. So you hear about that with like Hooters and stuff. But, like I didn't know like escort agency owners like helped you out that stuff too. Yeah. That makes way yeah. more sense actually. Yeah. So what do you think stood out the most about working in this industry you never really considered before being uh, an escort? There is no real homogeny within the industry. Like, you think that to be an escort, you have to be, like, drop-dead gorgeous. Big Ted's blonde. Yeah, looks are not a thing. I've discovered this after meeting. Like, I'm not trying to be mean or shady or rude or anything. But after meeting quite a few escorts, I've learned that looks do not dictate your bank account balance or your revenue. Um... It's a lot of personality and it's more of a connection and a relationship building exercise. Um, And also when I first started and because I was with an agency, it was very wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. We were not like I wasn't reaching out to people or sending them texts or seeing how they were, et cetera, et cetera. But over time, based on certain interactions that I've had with clients, they like to know that I'm thinking of them yeah. and sometimes I do so like I've reached out to people before and like hey I haven't seen you in a while blah 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 I don't need to see you know what I mean I'm not trying to intrude on your life but I hope that you are well and get a booking I'm sure they really appreciate it though yeah so like you kind of you need to like have your wits about you don't like go spamming people and harassing them to make a booking every so often but I mean like if three to six months go by and you haven't heard from somebody and you're thinking of them like shoot them a no I would definitely agree with that if they're inclined to it yeah yeah you never considered how much it's just relationship based and not purely based on looks. Yeah. Like that is what turns you on is yeah. how much someone wants to be there, how much they connect with you. Exactly. Do your best to connect with people. Yeah. Everyone. Yeah. It really is about connection. Yeah. What is your preferred verbiage uh, in regards to escorting? Um, what is my preferred verbiage? Um, I like companion. I like escort. I'm like, I mean, is it a pejorative term? Like to call somebody a hoe or a hooker, et cetera, et cetera. It's all how you personally see it, really. Yeah, like I'm not really a fan of prostitute or hoe or hooker. Sometimes if I'm like joking with my friends and I say it in jest, um, (laughs) 
Yeah, sex worker to me is kind of like saying vagina. Who does that? It's just really clinical. Yeah. So it's it's not really part of my terminology. I feel like prostitute definitely like always sounds clinical. It sounds yeah. like legality. Yeah. Like to prostitute yeah. yourself. Um and ooh, but I do like the new the reclam- the reclamation of the word hoe. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like that's the one like with my the H E A U X or whatever. H E a you yeah 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 Yeah, in french hi in french yeah (laughs) that's great (laughs) it does look like a french word the french hoe yeah (laughs) oh i'm never good at segueing into this uh do you want to tell me anything about your childhood and kind of debunk the myth that we're all broken people oh that's that's annoying (laughs) to say the least um no it it also reminds me of a conversation that i had with somebody and i was just talking about my my parents not being together and like he was just like oh oh so you're telling me you come from a broken home tell me more and I was like wait what what wait, when did this happen when did this conversation happen yeah I don't know um but I I come from a loving family of very hard-working people um my mom is a licensed medical professional mm. and my father is a licensed legal professional. Wow. Smart people. So I came from a home. Well, one, they were very strict. They were very, <laughs> they very, very they like strict. The <laughs> they were very strict. Um, it was a very intellectual family. Anytime I asked a question, it would result in a homework assignment. I would have to research the answer to my own question <laughs> and report to them. That is genius. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that. Um, I traveled a lot because, like, I come from an immigrant family. So while they were getting settled or in terms of having, like, family here to look after me or childcare, there was a lot of shuffling back and forth because of, I guess, the move. Yeah. Um, and also, like, after a while, they separated and my dad went back to where he came from so as a kid like I would travel a lot between the two countries and and they just thought it was easier to bring you with them when they were moving around yeah yeah that's yeah did you enjoy the travel I did I did and it's just like you don't have life experience until you've been an unaccompanied minor like that obnoxious green baseball cap and those lanyards like (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. It gets you out of your own world, literally. Yeah, literally. Um, Trying to think of what else. Bitten with that wanderlust bug, and that's why you tour so much now. And that's the topic this week. Yeah. I mean, do you want to just get into that then? Um. Yeah. Sure. Why not? Oh, okay, great. Well, touring this week since you are a savant, you are yeah the first woman I noticed. I'm a savant. Yeah, you're the first woman I noticed that made like touring look really luxurious, and I just noticed like that it seemed like you were always on some kind of trip, and I'm like, I should be doing this. Looks looks way more fun than just always being in my apartment. <laughs> so, could you explain just what touring is for any listener that doesn't know? Touring is exactly what it sounds like. You travel for work. Um, you're a personality. You go to a city where you may have a following or where you want to grow a following and you put up your shingle and hope for the best (laughs) there's a bit more science in that goes into it than that oh the Um, touring science yeah i mean everybody's touring protocol is different i personally I did a couple of U.S. tours in the very beginning before I had uh, a real brand or reputation. I had no reviews. 
like one of my first reviews so was from a, bad a New thing York tour. To have no reviews. If you're going to NYC, mm. yeah. <laughs> if okay. you're going to the states, like because you're going to the states and because of the legalities over there, they want to make sure that you're legitimate and you're not le, et cetera, et cetera. That's true. So the reviews help to legitimize you as an escort. Do you think it's the same today with reviews? Are they useful when touring? I think that they're useful with touring, especially after I just went to Australia. I didn't have any reviews there when I started and it was hard to get bookings. Like after my first review, I found that the bookings flowed a little easier. Hmm. Yeah. Was the review real? Can I ask? Did you know? Did you actually see that person? It wasn't just like a random. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's good. <laughs> I feel like you never know. Like someone just be like a fan, which is useful. Which but. is useful, but yeah. So what does touring like entail um, for anyone considering doing it? So, I mean, if you, depending on your timeline, some people say it's good to post your ads and announce your tour six weeks in advance. Some people do it two weeks in advance. I say roughly like a month is a safe enough yeah, time to smart. plan a tour. Um, post your ads, book your accommodations, book your flight. Would you advise getting the like flexible cancellation policy and all that stuff if possible? In this climate, before I didn't used to take deposits because deposits were not always a thing. Yeah. Um, I think that now a lot more people take deposits. So I would suggest if you're going on tour, take deposits and then travel based on how many deposits you have. I go on tours because I have enough of a client base in each city. So like I know in Vancouver, even without advertising, there's $3,000 worth of bookings in that city for me. Is that how it started with you touring? Yeah, actually, um, I started touring because I went through a slow period in Toronto. Okay. That's how I started touring. It's a good reason. I went through a slow period in Toronto, and um, I noticed that I don't have a Toronto base of clientele. Most of my clients, especially my good ones, are from the U.S., or my Canadian clients are from out West, whether it's Vancouver, Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, Calgary. All of my best clients are from... Western Canada, or they see me in Western Canada. They might be from somewhere else, but okay. But that's where we usually connect. So as a result of that, I was just like, okay, I can't control your work schedule or your meeting schedule. So if you can't come to me, I will come to you. And that's how I started touring out west. And like since I've started going out there, I've built a bit more of a following. Mm-hmm. It would be nice to tour like Winnipeg and Saskatoon and Calgary a bit more I find that they're a bit more fickle but even Calgary I've heard heard great things about Calgary I've heard great things about Calgary and Edmonton for me Calgary is so-so like I'll tack Calgary on to a Vancouver tour I will not tour Calgary on its own yeah yeah that seems smart yeah how many days do you kind of plan when you go on a tour to like just one city that's say or yeah I guess it could be if you're doing like a whole western thing like how many days per city would you say um I think it depends on how much you're looking to spend and make like I mean if you have enough pre-bookings make it for as short as possible so you have less overhead right right um but if you're like me and you want to do a whole bunch of cities and you also, Vancouver is one of my favorite places in Canada. Just want to soak it up. Yeah, I just want to soak it up. So I will usually stay there for at least a week. Okay. Um, I think four days is the shortest Vancouver tour I've gone on. But I usually stay for a week, 
If you're going to fly from two. here, that's like a long flight. Yeah, it is a long flight. So I usually stay there for like a week and then um, I will tack on Cal- Calgary, Saskatoon, Winnipeg onto my trip home after I've done Vancouver. Yeah. I mean, I guess I would probably say the smartest thing to do for deposits is even like get like an airline gift card and yeah. then there yeah. you go. Yeah, that's actually, that's my preference. Mm-hmm. I want Air Canada or WestJet gift cards. I want Uber gift it's very cards. Smart. Yeah. I didn't know you could get Uber gift cards. Dude, I have an Uber gift card on my account from Australia and I need to go back to Australia in order to use it. Stop. So okay, it's wait. on it, but it says this card is not available to use in your region. What a nightmare. So you got to go to the Canadian website when you buy this? Yeah, like you have to go to whatever region you're using the gift card in. Because I I realized, because I even got a Christmas gift and I tried to put into Uber and Uber was saying that it wasn't valid. And then I realized I reinstalled Uber after going to the States. So the Uber on my phone was US Uber and it wasn't accepting the Canadian Uber gift card. I mean, you think it would talk to itself. Yeah, I just, I was just like, it's my same name and email address across all of the Uber accounts. What is the problem? I've heard the same thing for Amazon, actually. Yeah, that actually does happen with Amazon as well. I've been like scared because I got like one or two Saks Fifth Avenue gift cards and I think that would said American and I'm like, am I not going to be able to use this here now either? So I've just been like putting it off. That used to happen to me a lot with Victoria's Secrets. A lot of my... American clients would come up and give me Victoria's Secret gift cards that I could not use in the store here I or mean, online to get shipped here. So you couldn't even use it online? No, I'd have to do cross-border shopping. Wow. Yeah. Ugh. Pay, pay attention, everyone. <laughs> uh, so what kind of costs do you have to like factor in? You factor in the airfare, the hotel, and then would you say that's like half of in total what you earn or like for someone considering doing this what would you say is a good like just place to start with like expenses and like how much you should plan to like make on top of that um so it's not like a huge shock or like what is worth it since you've done it so long to you what's your go-to i think that i always preamble everything by saying everybody's different of course (laughs) but I was reading a business magazine when I was trying kind of like planning this like you know those marketing texts blah 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 blah. um and it says whenever you're breaking into a new market put 20 percent aside for your marketing okay so I don't know how true that is but I know if I'm touring a place like when I used to advertise heavily in Vancouver and Calgary and those cities, I would maybe invest $3,000 in a tour. Including airfare and hotels. So including and airfare and accommodations and marketing and okay. stuff. And that's for like a Canadian tour. Like yeah. I don't even know what a U.S. tour entails anymore because like they charge $300 and change for like advertising. Like That's crazy. Got People have been saying that. I had no idea. No, it's high. obscene. Like that's why I told you like when I first started, I went to the States and I was like, mm, nope, no, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> Doesn't seem like a lot of returns. Yeah. These other places you go to seem like way more fun. And also less intimidating. Yeah, like but not also, get like, the ladies that I used to tour with, they were already established in those places. So I'd be hanging out with some girl, and she's like, yeah, I have to send um, um, certified checks home in the mail because... Right, I was wondering yeah, about that. Yeah, she'd get drafts from the bank. She'd go to, like, a money mart or whatever and get bank drafts or certified checks and then send them to herself. 
That's that's gambling. But that's because she made like fucking thirty grand after yeah. like four days of touring in New York City. And yeah. I was like, I I can't hang out with you. Like we I like you, but we can't be friends because that is not even part of my reality. Right yeah, now. no, I get ugh, it must be really fun to work in New York sometimes. But yeah, yeah I guess I'll never I'll Yeah, because I've like. I've worked in New York, I've worked and I've done well, I've worked and I've broken even and I've worked and bombed. Bombed. Would you say it's like across the board even or like New York? Yeah. New York is like shopping at winners. New York. Oh, I find that's a very good analogy. It's, actually. it's like shopping at winners and anybody who shops at winners knows what I mean. <laughs> that one good day makes up for those three months of yeah, shit. Yeah. I hate myself so much for so many winter purchases. Come to think of it. So do you have uh, a certain amount of clients now that you'll require before going or for anyone new trying this out, should they at least have one client if they're thinking about going at least try to have three and just kind of hope for more when they go? Yeah, I think so. Cause that's, that's basically how I started touring. I had regulars in every city, like I had $3,000 in Vancouver and a thousand dollars in every other city. So it would just make sense. Yeah. Like, I'd know that my costs were covered and I could kind of grow from the the bit that I, I could count on. So I think that you should either get deposits or have a client there or have like at least two to three reliable clients there. If you don't take deposits, I'm not big on gambling. Like I don't like touring blind. Yeah. However. Seems like it would not be fun. You'd just be freaking out the whole time. You'd just be freaking out and stressed. Yeah. Do you think there's less or more risk with like touring just because, I don't know, maybe you don't have people there or is it just traveling by yourself? Um, I am pretty strict with screening. Like, I've just been doing this for so long. Sometimes people complain about, like, messages and stuff they get. They complain about clients. And I'm thinking to myself, that's not a client. You haven't seen him and he hasn't paid you. Not a client. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. The hotels have, like, treated you well, though. And, like, it hasn't been an issue, like, that way. Or, like, traveling with cash. Ah, uh, yeah. Traveling with cash. Within Canada, it's fine. Because I can always go to my, my bank and right. just deposit the funds if I need to. If I tell you a secret, you have to promise, like, not she to steal She says on air. Me. Yeah. <laughs> like, for anybody that, like, wants to hide money, like, your suitcase has a lining. Yeah. Like, open the zipper part of your suitcase. I don't think you came up with this. I'm <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Like, I, I just, but that's just my thing. Somebody's like, where do I put my money? I was like, why are you asking me that? <laughs> How did you not know these Oh, my things? goodness. No, that's definitely, like, 101. Yeah. But the, the hotel's never, or wherever you end up staying, that's never been, like, an issue for you? You know what? I'm, like, I'm a low-volume provider even when I'm on tour. So when I'm on tour, I don't, ha- I don't see more than three people in any one day. That amount of volume is not going to attract attention to you. It's true. And it's also, no offense or disrespect, it's about how you carry yourself as a person. So, I mean, if you give off stereotypical hooker vibes, for lack of a better term, you're going to run into stereotypical hooker problems. Don't make eye contact with anyone. <laughs> yeah. Come on, come on, oh come on, come God. on. <laughs> That's so nonsensical. Um, also, tip your housekeeping. Um, I've never had problems because I'm just like always very conscientious. Like the hotels that I book, I usually get it on referral from other girls that tour. Mm-hmm. So 
there's a bit of a community in that. I personally like Airbnbs. Not everybody does. Yeah. And they will shut down your account if they even get a whiff that you're a sex worker. So I mean, I've used them quite a bit, too, and have yeah. never had an issue. So just yeah. be responsible. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like the Airbnb whisperer. So I'm like, <laughs> that is a I useful just, skill. I, I don't know how I do it, but I'm just very proud of like all of the places that I've got have been amazing. I, uh, yeah, no, I still get like suckered in by those panoramas. <laughs> I just, I hate myself too. I'm like, this is, no, this is a real picture. And I show up and I'm like, damn it. There's like three <laughs> feet here. I can't even walk over there. Oh man. So I, yeah, I don't know that it's always uh, a good idea to like reach out to a companion and expect like free advice. But in the touring case, do you think it's acceptable to reach out to other companions and kind of ask, like, which hotel they stay at? Just, like, which ones are sex worker friendly? Do you think that's okay or is that annoying? I think that's okay. Okay. I think that that's fine because that's information that I'd be more than happy to share. Sometimes you just get spanned and inundated with so much information that you don't get back to everybody that just asks you for help. Yeah. Um, It all looks like the same email sometimes after a while. And you're like, didn't I answer this? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> as long as you, it's not like annoying right off the bat, then that's good. Because yeah. yeah, I feel like touring, especially, I would ask women I think that have toured just like what specifically. Yeah, like what hotels you used, what advertising platforms work. Like that's fine. And that changes like every month, to be honest. And like, that, and that's the thing. Sometimes people ask a question, and I'm like, dude, I'm trying to figure it out right now because something has happened. Let's band with together. the escort algorithm world, and I don't know what's going on. I mean, yeah, it's insane. It is week to week almost so especially with sesta and fosta they've kind of mucked up my business which i do not appreciate (laughs) you and me both uh would you say it's a better business model in general to just not be fixed in one place yeah yeah i think that if you stay in one place you're definitely going to be limited like i said i am based in toronto but my best clients are not from toronto so you met Period. them for the first time when you went over there? They once came here and then they, from then on? Yeah, they, they came here okay. and then from then on, like they came here on business or whatever and we hit it off and like we have an ongoing relationship. I'm going to do this. <laughs> I'm going to live this life. I want to go to Vancouver since that's on the approved list of travel destinations. What are some other places you go? Um, I have been to New York, D.C. and Boston. I've been to Seattle. I've been to San Fran. I think for anybody that's been to D.C., D.C. is bomb. Yeah, like I like saw even sex if, worker documentaries from there and from yeah, San Fran, too. Yeah, and that time when I was telling you, like, I went touring, like, 10 years ago to the States and I didn't have a reputation or anything like that, New York was always a little fickle, but D.C. was just solid. Really? Yeah, every time I went to D.C., it was solid. What was but solid But the hotels there are just exorbitantly expensive. In D.C.? Oh, that makes yeah. sense, actually. But the clients are solid. And you cannot get early check-in to save your life. You might not even get checked in until, like, later on in the evening. So just a word to the wise, don't book dates on the on your arrival date like that's just asking for disaster that is good advice actually yeah unless you're a very important political figure yeah. don't expect any special treatment in no. dc <laughs> well we already went over this a little bit but could you just kind of name some advantages and disadvantages of touring in general 
um, touring, the advantages of touring is that you are fresh meat in a new market. Oh, fresh meat. So if the local market is tired of seeing your ads or seeing you, for lack of a better term. Tired of of it. um, If you go to a new market, you're giving them a new option and you're there for a limited amount of time. So you're it's it's about that scarcity exclusive exclusivity so it prompts people to book you for the small amount of time that you're there and i found as well that some gentlemen prefer to just hire touring girls and they don't like seeing locals because of the yeah. risk of bumping into people that's quite, in their daily that's lives really fair. especially in vancouver especially in vancouver i've had so many clients say that to me that they they've bumped into somebody here or they see them there and it's just like they don't want to deal with it and i've actually seen quite a few toronto gentlemen in vancouver no way they don't want to see toronto providers or they don't want to see me in toronto because they've got their own lives they're busy but they hobby when they're on the road like a lot of people hobby when they're traveling for work and not at home it says on Google, 2017, Vancouver's population was 675,000. That's quite a bit smaller than Toronto, so it mm-hmm. makes sense why you would want to see someone that doesn't live there. Yeah. Very good point. Yeah. I actually have never seen a client on the street here in Toronto, but I'm just, like, waiting for the day. Oh, my God. I'm no, gonna it's so awkward. Even, I was, like, minding my own business, living my best life, Um Coming from my normal job, which at one point was at a courthouse, and I was walking through the Sheridan pathway. Like, you know, you leave Old City Hall, you go into the Sheridan Center, and you're walking through the path. I know exactly what you're talking about. And so some gentlemen, I'm hearing, hi, and I'm walking, and I hear, hi again, and I'm walking because I don't see anybody I know, and it doesn't occur to me that it could possibly be a client. And then somebody pops up in front of my face and says, hi, I thought it was you. I'm like mortified. <laughs> I am like in my little business suit, like living my own best Don't civilian do life. Don't do this. I'm folks. thinking to myself, like, why on God's green earth? I was just <laughs> shocked into silence. I didn't say anything in the moment. What did you just like? I walk just said away? hi. I was like, Did you oh, recognize hi. them? I knew exactly who it was. Oh, and I was God. just like, what is wrong? With you. <laughs> like he apologized for it later he's like based on the look of your face like i think I that you were a little like, shocked really violated your boundaries there sorry and i've gotten messages after saying oh um do you wear your hair like this and do you drive an x y and z car and i'm like yes yes i do thank you for not approaching me but also i could do without this email, email. Skip i could email. just do without this email yeah it is a weird one. I get that you get caught up in the moment, though, and you're like, hey, I know you. Yeah. Okay, and I'm just like, rain it back. Yeah. <laughs> so advantage, you are fresh on the market. Yeah, Anything you're else? fresh on the market, and it's the exclusivity. And I think also it, touring helps you to see how other people live. Like, and it, it exposes you to another market with better clients because maybe somebody isn't really a hobbyist and doesn't usually see escorts but you just happen to be in his city on a tour and he comes across your ad. One of my girlfriends always told me it just takes one. It was like some Zhenzhou, like she twisted some quote from some (laughs) Asian philosopher. And I was like, you're right. Like one client or one booking can sometimes make and break you because of our profit margins. So 
And then I think that Amy Taylor actually tweeted something and I was like, it's so true. It's like, you can't just stay wherever you're from. You have to pay attention to your market. Totally. Pay attention to where the best clients are or where your best clients are and level up. I think, uh, have you been to Singapore ever? No, but that's the thing from like touring to other cities or countries, you learn where the locals tour. So like I go to Vancouver and Vancouver girls usually tour the west coast u.s states or they tour hong kong and singapore like the aussies do and then i went to australia and the aussie girls they tour nationally to like hong kong and singapore and bali and places that i wouldn't typically think of you think of yeah and then the girls in europe or london london and europe throughout they go to the middle east which i think is a scary place but for them it's not a lot so of potential. much it has potential it also has potential for you to disappear yeah so i don't know i go with a buddy yeah yeah that's the next question or sorry disadvantage of touring can you i think they're all pretty obvious but yeah. is there one that stands out more i mean the loneliness can kind of get to you because if you're on a tour and you're dead or you have a dead day and you're not comfortable exploring the city by yourself or eating at a restaurant by yourself, your life's going to suck. Oh, I love that you said that. Like, <laughs> you're not always comfortable yeah. or like in the mood to be alone and like yeah. doing all of this emotional drain. Dr- yeah, work by yourself. So getting out and about and feeding your soul is very important. There's once that I toured with a friend um, who's no longer in this industry And like it was one of the best tours ever because there's parts where it was slow or like I was feeling down and like we were together and we picked each other up. And that sounds great. Like we went on little adventures and like we were very supportive. So I think that touring with somebody is nice. But if you're comfortable being alone, you can tour alone. Yeah. It's nice to find a buddy, though. That's definitely that was the next question. Do you advocate touring alone or as a duo? You said (sighs) both. Yeah. I mean, I think the only reason I don't tour as a duo is because, like, I don't have a consistent travel partner. Like, I'm not close enough to anybody to be like, hey, let's go traveling together. I mean, that's sounds Hopefully ideal. we won't kill each other. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> did you also offer duos with that chick you traveled with? Yes, I did. That I seems did. very intelligent. So I feel like even that's pretty, like, hot button, like, get yeah. in on that action. And it's just, like, it's interesting because I look at other girls who tour or girls who do duos, and it's, like, there is a thing to finding, like, that one duo partner, that crew of girls that, like, you can work together with, you know? How do you find this magic? Because, like, I'm group. very cool at working with people in general, but I've never been part of a clique. I think it's just me personally. It's my personality. Like, I wasn't part of a clique in high school. I just, like, flutter around from group exactly to group. exactly what I did. Yeah. Wait, so when's your birthday? <laughs> December 14th. Okay. Are you also a Sag? No, I'm Libra. Oh, okay. Yeah. Are they kind of similar? I'm not very up to date on my astrology. I <laughs> yeah, I just flutter around from group to group. So I think that that part of my personality plays into this industry as well like i don't have a crew per se or a click it uh, keeps you free as a bird to tour all you want yeah Yeah. what are some tips you could maybe give uh other escorts out there thinking about touring to like better prepare themselves there is no crystal ball i would say have realistic expectations very good places have realistic expectations like get very clear on what your bottom line is for the tour or what your long-term goals are. Because if 
your bottom line is to tour and make a certain amount of money. And if you don't make that certain amount of money, then you're screwed. It's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of pressure versus this is a long-term business plan and you're touring to, yeah, make a certain amount of money, but also build a base in the city that you're touring in. Because I've had amazing tours to Vancouver and I've had one particular almost bomb. Like if Peyton Alexander didn't save me, I would have bombed. Oh, shout out. Yeah, shout out to Pacific Paramore. I was just like, what is this sorcery? Like Vancouver's always great. Why? Like, what is this nonsense? It's like, you know, you have a client base, but I think that that's why deposits are going to become a thing for me going forward. So look at it like a business you want to sustain in the long term and not just like a all of a sudden thing you do for a weekend without any preparation. Yeah, because that's actually that's a better answer to that question you asked me about what did I discover about the sex industry? Mm hmm. I think when I started, I was young and naive and I thought that this was a quick cash grab and there's nothing, there's no such thing in life as a quick cash, oh, cash no. grab. Oh no. So I was like, yeah, I'll do it for a year. And I was like, no, boo-boo. Like, <laughs> no, not at all. I think we all like slowly had to get yeah, through that. Yeah. Did touring help you find your market niche? I think that if you are part of a niche market, touring will help your business. Because if you're part of a niche market, that means that you're not mainstream. You're not going to make as much money in your home city. However, if you take your niche market on the road and you diversify, you're going to have more chances of financial success. Did (laughs) other people kind of like help you find uh, your your market your niche in the market or did you like figure that out yourself i i was talking to you about this before that i really just kind of labeled myself a gfe and then honestly kind of stopped brand Mm -hmm. awareness Mm -hmm. like completely there like Mm -hmm. how did you figure out where you fit in or what your brand was i think that just from the agency that i worked at like between learning certain things from them and then being on my own. Like I find that if you are part of a niche market, it's best to be indie. Because if your agency or wherever you work doesn't know how to sell you, they're not going to sell you and things are going to get awkward and you're going to be unhappy. Um, You're probably really bad about yourself and you could actually be like making making bank. Like I think that if, if you are part of a niche market, it's best for you to like have a real sit down with yourself Think about who you are as a person and what you project out into the world and how people perceive you, how men perceive you. Whether you ask some friends or some older male friends, like, what do you think of me? Or like, list these three things. Just like, do some market research and then figure out what you're comfortable packaging yourself as and put it out to the world. That sounds so like, it's manufactured it too, sounds so but manufactured but it's just like a more commercialized version of yourself oh commercial for sure like yeah. we're selling our personalities among exactly other things. You and that's know the what thing that it's about selling your personality so in terms of like labeling yourself a gfe and leaving it at that you need to sell your personality I have a girlfriend in Vancouver. She does like little taco dinners. She loves hockey. That's adorable. She talks about it in her Twitter and web copy. And as a result, she gets clients who like hockey, who like tacos, who want to have dinner with a lady in her place. 
I have another friend who is a Raptors fan. If they're on, she's like tweeting away. And because of that, she gets people who are drawn to her personality. Some ladies like champagne and lubes and they get clients that like champagne and seeing girls in lubes. I notice that whenever I'm my best self and I post things about like my yoga or meditation or philosophy or like legal matters, I get clients that mirror that or reflect that or have the same interests, you know? And it's much easier because it's it's less of a charade. Yeah, the yeah, more totally. you are yourself, the less you have to pretend to be somebody else. Yeah, I mean, I think we all start out thinking we have to adhere to some just stereotype idea what it means to ask for it but there is definitely a market for whatever your brand is and like you won't be happy trying to fit into some other mold just yeah there's definitely people out there similar to you looking for what you are selling yeah would you say it's fair to say that someone's place in the market kind of changes over time Mm, i think so because the market changes over time the you know trends I mean? like how often do the you think trends they oh my they god change. okay like for example when i first started twitter was not a thing right me neither and i'm it's so disgusting like i almost <laughs> want to start a new profile because one it shows you that i've been on twitter since like almost like 2010 really i don't want that well, out there like i want to change the date i want to start can't. a new profile and change the <laughs> no, date yeah you gotta make a new one right but yeah it wasn't like a thing then and i've had twitter since 2010 and i hardly tweeted wow now 2010. twitter is such a vital part of like some people's marketing but you also have to have that same self-awareness with your business do your research are your clients coming from twitter did they find you on twitter or did they find you from ad websites because if your clients are not coming from twitter don't invest that much time yeah into creating this little twitter persona or making sure you're very active on there if i mean it's good for like social networking with other women yeah it's very good for social networking it's so good for like going on tour like i've made friends through twitter that have helped me on tour yeah yeah, I can see that. That seems very useful. I guess you could, if anyone wondering how you do that, you just like on your booking request form, just put how did you find me and then mm-hmm. just give all the options of where you advertise. Yeah. Okay, so part of talking about markets is I feel like it sounds a little bit like I'm interviewing uh, all the same kind of woman, an independent woman that's been in the industry for years. But we all started like at a lower rate at another part mm-hmm. of the industry. And I feel like just working in the escort industry for years is how you get like a higher rate and like a bigger market. But I think that like every escort that like charges more now has started lower at some mm-hmm. point. Am I right in that or is that just me? Yeah, somewhat. Like um, with the agency that I started at, to be honest, like I picked them because they were the most expensive agency in Toronto. Very smart. And I was just like, that works. <laughs> that works <laughs> yes, for me. <laughs> because like they were basically the way that they presented themselves, they did not engage in the acronyms, which is very Fuck, scary for so somebody much. who's brand new. Like I was not about that life. I still hate it. Uh, I also wasn't a huge fan of review culture. I've kind of like resigned myself to it um, because I know like some people like to see that. <sighs> I don't know. Um, but with that agency, they weren't they didn't really care, participate in review culture. Um, they didn't do the whole acronym thing. 
and they still did well and they worked at that price point. So once I went indie, I was just like, okay, I'm still charging $400 an hour, but at least now I take all of my money. Yeah, which means Instead of only like making 225 or 250, whatever it was. So, oh yeah. I mean, there's a lot of women that have been in this industry and have never changed their rate or even decided to charge less or mm-hmm. charge more. Like, I think it's just all over the place. It doesn't really... Yeah. You can't tell much about someone from their rate. Yeah. I no, it's think. very true. That's some... Because I, I, in the beginning there were i feel like there were more gatekeepers almost a what gatekeepers like you know every industry kind of has gatekeepers it's just like oh who are you to charge x amount of money oh god i love those emails do you know what i mean love them it's not so much that people would email you that but it's almost like there was such a small circle of people charging high rates that if you were not a part of that circle and you were charging high rates they wouldn't and be like, where, where are you coming from, really? Yeah, where are you coming from? Or like, are you really going to get duos with these people? Are they going to refer clients to you? You know what I mean? It's just... I think lots of people doing that are literally the ones just doing this as an add-on to their lives and are mm-hmm. like, I'm just not going to do it if it's not for this price and I don't mind if I don't see anybody. Yeah. And that's where I think that comes from because otherwise, like, how are you getting clients? Like, yeah. very impressive. Yeah. Um, What benefits can you say you've noticed since finding your niche and catering to it? Or what are some benefits of finding your own personal niche market? Do you think you get more regulars? You definitely get more regulars. Your quality of clientele, like your quantity might go down because you're not appealing to every single but person. You'll be happier. But you'll be happier and your clients will be happier because you'll have more to give to them, if that makes sense. I mean, I think it does. Like you said, posting about something specific to you, getting exactly who you'd want to see, who also like vibes that. Yeah. It's just really scary to put yourself out there and say, I like this. And then you're forever that girl that likes this. So you better not mess up on those posts. Yeah. I don't think you can ever mess up saying you like yoga clothes, though. Oh, well, we are done at this topic, I think. Is there anything else you wanted to add about touring and market? Ooh, wow. Um... No, I think that is it. We looked at it from every angle you can think of. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good. I wanted to kill it to death with analysis. So uh, what would you say you dislike and like most about this industry? The thing that I dislike most is like, how do I say this without offending people? But also we can rephrase. We can redo. I'm not a fan of review board culture. I think sometimes it, it becomes a little toxic. Um, yeah, I don't like it, but it's almost like a necessary evil. I feel like a lot of women are recognizing their power or the power of the industry in terms of like raising rates and asking for deposits and asking not to be reviewed or not being listed on certain websites. And I think that in terms of like reclaiming your power and standing against it, I like that, but I also see it as a necessary evil and based on my niche market, I'm keeping my reviews (laughs) I have yet to sign up to a review board since moving here, but I did it back when I lived in Mm -hmm. another country and Mm -hmm. was escorting because that was really the only place to do it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You think you still get a good amount of business from those today? I think that there's a lot of lurkers on those boards. That's the thing. Hobbyists? No, like lurkers, like people who are not technically hobbyists, but people who lurk on the boards to look for girls but they don't necessarily participate in the culture it's almost like they themselves find it a little icky but it's just why are you there (laughs) you're confused sir yeah but i also i 
I find it is a necessary evil because when it comes to screening, if you give me your username and I check you out on the board and you've been disgusting, I'm not seeing you. Yeah. End of story. Like, yep. it's a great way to screen people. <laughs> Why would they give you their real handle then, though? No, because they don't get it. They're just like, oh, I'm a, I'm a member of the board. Like, she wants my board handle. That means I'm a hobbyist. That means, no, I'm checking out who the hell you are and what you've said to see if you are somebody that I want in my personal space. That actually is a really good way of getting a summary yeah. of someone. Okay, so dislike the review culture. Though it is a necessary evil. Yeah. What do you enjoy most about the industry? Um, I like the ability to meet people and pick their brains. It's amazing to like meet and talk to people that you otherwise wouldn't really interact with. Yeah, or the, the kind of the interact yeah, like the, the topics of conversation and like it's almost like you're paying me to be my mentor. Thank you very you're much. You're paying me to have the coolest <laughs> conversation of the week. Like Yeah, I've just I've just learned so much about people, about certain professions, about marriage, about relationships, about boundaries, having healthy boundaries. Uh, yeah, I find that like meeting people within this safe, very boundaried space. It and I say safe, boundaried space because I mean we understand what the terms of our relationships relationship is. We usually. understand, yeah, usually <laughs> we understand what the restrictions are. Usually, like th there's, I mean, in civilian relationships, like you don't say what your boundaries are off the bat right. before you interact ever. with me or before we are in the same room together we have an idea of how to behave like there is a prescribed it takes a lot of the pressure off yeah like just knowing what you can and can't do because yeah even relationships people usually don't say anything it takes like years to figure it out yeah and it's just like i i've i've spoken to a couple of my clients about this and it's it's like one of the most honest relationships that you can have right you're not secretly trying to manipulate them in any way. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> you're happy with the deal that you've made. Exactly. Uh, what is your favorite thing about just being a sex worker in general? Mm. Um, basically the freedom and the ability to meet new people. Like I think that the freedom because I got to explore my sexuality in secret. Yeah, like that I tried, is such a cool way of putting it. Like I got to try all kinds of things and I didn't have to worry about the social stigma coming back to bite me in my butt because the people that I was exploring with and my social circle were far removed and not interacting. Like I was not the same person in those worlds. So I kind of I don't know, grew into my sexuality through sex It offered sex work. up a safe space. Yeah, it offered up a safe space. You're not really judged either because clients, like, want to explore with exactly. you. Exactly. Like, and they might be weird, too. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not use the term weird. Oh, no, we're both weird. It's a weird exploration space. <laughs> I know I'm weird. <laughs> what do you think is uh, the most important reason we need to remove the stigma associated with sex work and escorting? We believe the stories that we tell ourselves consciously or unconsciously. Mm -hmm. So if society is telling you that something is wrong and you don't believe that it's wrong and you're going about your merry business, the fact that your thoughts and beliefs and society's thoughts and beliefs don't really sync up, sync up it, it's, it causes stress. It's, it's gonna enter your subconscious and your psyche and how you treat and speak to yourself 
it's going to affect how you interact with the world around you and who you tell what and how you basically get ready or psych yourself up for certain conversations or like you plan out your lie or what you think you deserve in life really yeah yeah you have to basically like figure out like how do I want to be perceived or how do I want to be treated and ensure you put out that facade to the world where if you could just say hey this is who I am it doesn't give you a right to dehumanize me or disrespect me let's just exist together in this world that would be great yeah i mean the norm is to think that sex workers are evil and then if you don't personally believe that but you know everyone else does you'll be like am i a crazy person am Mm -hmm. i a bad criminal Mm -hmm. because i don't think criminals think they're being criminals either yeah no it's definitely a bad example we are not criminals but yeah it's not fair to feel that's that's the one thing that like i i liked about the agency that i worked for in the very beginning like you'd go to the office and there would be some girls studying in the corner with their textbook quietly minding their own business highlighters in hand there'd be some girls partying and drinking and doing the most there are some girls that could barely speak english and they were just making the best of a bad situation because like whether you like it or not some people are trafficked and then they get out of it and they're in this new place and they're like so what do i do now just a go-to really yeah it is an easy way to get out of a situation. Yeah. But yeah. I mean. So um, if being open about your involvement in this industry was socially acceptable, do you think you'd be more willing to let everyone know or would you still keep this confidential? Like, is your sexuality still something to keep to yourself? Mm. It happens to also be your job, though. So it's like a weird one. Yeah, I feel like if if it was more socially acceptable, I'd have less stress or worry about my family and friends finding out. I might also show my face, which would make me more bang. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> She's gorgeous. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Because regardless of whether or not this industry is acceptable, women taking control of their sexuality or admitting that they are sexual beings, like sometimes it almost devalues them. So it's just, especially if you're in a space where you want to be taken seriously, like... That is so unfair, but yeah, It is unfair, but like if you are in the legal industry or if you're involved in journalism or, I don't know, or if you're a writer writing on certain issues or if you're a medical profession, you're going to be in situations and certain power dynamics where people might try to use it against you or they think that, oh, because this is what you do, you're kind of down for whatever, when that's not the case like how could you possibly know if someone's down for whatever like how could you possibly know like it's just like i dated this guy and he just assumed that i was polyamorous and i was like no i just want to date somebody who knows what i, think I do that's a big one it's actually. just like i think that there's a lot of people who date sex workers for the wrong reasons like they have ideas or they have a predatory mentality or like they're just I don't know. Well, that sounds like a great episode, actually. Yeah. Past relationships with sex workers. Yeah. And because it's just like that, that, that disconnect or that cognitive dissonance between like your ideas around sex work and how you view yourself versus society and the stigma and then a relationship on top of it, like there's a lot of negotiation and it's really easy to get. To, to be gaslighted or for somebody to take advantage of you if you're not really clear on who you are or what the social situation is or what your boundaries are in your personal life. It's just, I feel like I have a lot of experience over six years of 
telling someone and then having them be okay and then after time them not liking something and then just like receiving all the troll comments but from like a close friend yeah yeah and then you just end up getting abused Abused. like personally and i don't think these people mean to it's just been the ingrained stigma and they're like i'm supposed to think this is dirty and bad it's just like automatic to like spew all this hate out at you even though i actually like you yeah whether it be a friend or a partner or whatever there's a lot of like emotional abuse that goes on unintentionally i feel 10 years in i've just seen i've seen and witnessed and like been there for friends like that have gone through horrible situations because of a boyfriend that all of a sudden was not cool with it yeah like what is that like some girl was like living her best civilian life working at her civilian job and then her boyfriend like in order to like he was abusive not physically not yet but he like threatened to tell her family and out her what to everybody. Like she's like stressed out at work under pressure doing the most. That's horrible. And he's like threatening to out her. So like of course her team of friends are like shutting down accounts, removing things. Like we're doing all the admin on the back end, and she's just like, this "Guy sounds really what is insecure." Yeah. Well, anyone having some relationships issues out there, don't worry. We've all faced them in some way. Yeah. Not like it makes it better, but... Yeah, I'll just stick to my clients. I don't date. It's just too stressful. I think removing the stigma would, yeah, help all of us maintain relationships in any way. In any capacity, yeah. Much better. And we deserve to have relationships. Like, we, we do the most. We do a lot of emotionally draining things. Like, the least we can have is a nice calm relationship to like go back to talk to friends partner whatever yeah parents that'd be nice to have parents back wouldn't it (laughs) so do you have a retirement date in mind um i do not um i think that when i started in this industry i was like yeah cash grab and now i'm just like I have so many more people that I want to meet. We're I have talking so about many the business people. model. Like, it's ingrained. Yeah, now. <laughs> like I, there's so many people that I still want to meet. There's so many pa- places where I still want to go. Until, like, my civilian career catches up with my sex work career in terms of income and revenue, I think that I'm going to be here for a while. Also, like, my boundary is marriage and kids. Like, unless yeah, okay. I, like, settle down and make a baby with a gentleman, I mean... That's a, yeah, yeah, that's a tentative retirement date. That's what would yeah. have to happen. I feel yeah. like I might be the same way. Yeah, but don't get me wrong. Like, there are some people who, like, have kids and they still work. Or, like, there's a market for the pregnant escort. Like There's a market for There's everything. a market for Whatever everything. you've got, you yeah. can sell it if you like it. Yeah. Well, cool. What do you, uh, what's your current favorite book or one you always recommend to people? Um, what I'm actually reading now we had a different conversation once upon a time. Yeah, forget that day. <laughs> what I'm reading now is The Four Agreements. Oh, okay. I haven't yeah. read it, but my friend gifted it to me. I don't think I have it anymore, yeah. but she loved it. Yeah, like I was going through a time and my best friend like suggested some books and that was one of them and it is very good. It is very, very good. I think she was trying to like quit smoking at the time or something. Mm. Would it help with that or... I think that just, like, whenever you're trying to grow as a person, because, like, I was I was going through, I don't know, like, there was a death in the family. I was dealing with stuff. And um, whenever you're ready to make a change with your life or, like, growth and maturity and all that jazz, I think that there's certain books that, that just work. Like, Think and Grow Rich, The Four Agreements, The Alchemist. Oh, my God, and I love The I Alchemist. I think that there was another one that she recommended to me, but it's just, like, 
those books and some sermons because my grandmas were religious. So nothing wrong with that. Some sermons get me through the tough times. No, yeah. I mean, personal growth is yeah. definitely the best investment I can think of. Yeah. Apart from your money, obviously. <laughs> Thinking bro rich. That's so funny. I list The Alchemist as one of my favorites, too. Oh, really? It's such a short little fable. Okay, he wrote it in like a day. Really? Yeah. Or like maybe it was a weekend. But yeah, he just sat down, wrote all of it. Yeah. And that was it. Isn't that hmm. amazing? Okay. I listened to Oprah interview him. Oh. He's such a happy man. He was like put in a psych ward. His parents put him in a psych ward. He has such an interesting story. I just feel bad because like I just feel like if I were to come out to my parents, like that's actually my biggest fear. If they were to find out or if I were They'd to come out to them, psych ward. They, I wouldn't put them above. I wouldn't put it above them. Like they're the kind of people I'll that, come get you. I promise. I'll put a track. Like I put the notice out to quite a few of my friends. I was like, do not let them. <laughs> that goes without saying, doesn't it? Yeah. Here's Nia's biggest yeah, that's secret. My biggest secret slash fear. Like your parents, parents have crazy. one too. That was the important thing to remember. Yeah. They did something once upon a time. Yeah, I'm sure it was nothing close to what I've done. <laughs> All right, great book recommendations. Uh, do you have a personal motto or something you always try to remind yourself? Uh, just do your best. Just excellence in all things. It's, it's kind of a yoga motto. If you look into like the definition of yoga um, and the yoga sutras of Patanjali, like your best may change from situation to situation, but do your best. Like your best may be different today because you're tired or you have an exam or because you're traveling, but it's your responsibility to be the best version of yourself in every situation and give 110%. Yeah, if you're going to try something, try to do it to the best to of, the your, best ability. of your abilities. And only judge yourself. Don't judge by other people what their best is. I'm still guilty of that. I'm always like, okay, I guess it is better than what I did yesterday, but still I could be doing this. And that is a kiss of death. Ooh, who is your biggest companion crush at the moment? Mm, my biggest companion crush. Or crushes. Um, I think Chanel Carvalho is one of my biggest companion crushes of the moment. She That's so weird. Blonde. I don't even want to say that on like the podcast because it's like, oh, I don't like interact with you all the time, but I'm just like a creepy lurker and be like, um, yes, that's exactly what we do. Your photos <laughs> and videos are hot. Teach me your ways. <laughs> that is exactly what this is all about. Like I stalk yeah. a lot of people and I'm like, how does she look so good? Why are my photos like this? It's just Damn. like, I, I just feel like, just like, do you spend a day like in the mirror? with your phone like testing out like little moves or angles oh, to like sure. get for that sure. like signature style down and like Isabel Graf like somebody said something about her little video clips being iconic and I was like yeah okay, now I want to check they, it out yeah Isabel Graf I wonder if I have um but like her little vignettes and stuff 24,000 yeah she's on a hiatus right now good for her everybody needs a break yeah damn these pictures <laughs> I wasn't following her, but now I am. All right. Well, I hope that these ladies hear this and are smiling to themselves right now. <laughs> it's nice to know people admire you, though, and look up to you for doing a good job. It's really nice. Yeah. yeah we yeah. don't say it enough. So you just got to embarrass yourself a little bit. Just and a little uh, bit. one day someone will be like, Nia Moore, she is my biggest crush. Somebody actually said that to me. Oh, you don't say. Yeah. I was very flattered. <laughs> 
just like me why i don't even I'm, I don't know what i'm doing okay i know you showed me like a selfie once and you're like it took forever to get this angle but it is perfect and you showed me and it was absolutely perfect which selfie it was like you in a bathroom with like a towel on your head one day oh yeah i looked really good you did yeah, a really good job that was my best selfie of all time all time <laughs> I, I would agree. I definitely don't have one like that. It takes a lot of like angling and like booty tooching and like shoulders and, and really neck. the hotel bathroom does make a difference. Like I think that that was one of the best hotel bathrooms and the best hotel like the bathroom lighting? mirrors because the mirror was a ring mirror. Mm. Like the mirror had lighting around it and it was gotcha. so large and it was just beautiful. And I just got a lens for my phone. Oh. Yeah, you know those like those lenses that you put to like yeah. make it macro. It's almost like a professional lens but for your Oof. camera phone. Okay, I'll be doing that with a new phone I get. I'll show you my little lens. I think I have it in my bag. Okay, yes. I bought one of the like case light that light up. Oh yeah. And that worked pretty well, but since I'm like blocking out my like half my face, face I'm like, like there's it no almost doesn't there's even no make point. sense. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I think we're all done. Is there anything else you wanted to say to all the escorts and listeners out there? No, I think that is it. We are good. We covered it all. We did a great job. Thank yeah. you so much for being part of this. Yes, it was lovely chatting. Taking all your Thank time you out of your day. <laughs> all right. Bye, everyone. Bye. Good job, team. All right. Thanks to everyone for listening. I've attached Nia's website and Twitter handle in the show notes in case you'd like to check her out or get in touch. You know, I was thinking about why it seems like I only have a certain kind of guest on, ones that are independent. And one of the reasons is that uh, these ladies have all, almost all stated that they did not start out independently. That's just where they are now. And it's kind of been nice to hear their slow evolution. I think that if you, you know, work in this industry, you will naturally get to independent if you do it for long enough, because I think just the freedom of working for yourself is just inevitable in this industry. Um, I'm not against having any kind of escort or client on this podcast. Uh, I had originally reached out to a few ladies to be on the show, but now it's very much people seeking me out to share their story. Uh, I'm not seeking out any kind of particular guest aside from passionate people, and I do have a noticeable wait list at the moment. I hope that interviewing different people naturally offers up a nice diversity of guests, and I'm doing my best to be as inclusive of the large variety of escorts in this industry. It is definitely of great interest to me to paint the full picture of what it's like to escort and who is an escort in the 21st century. It's all just going to take time. I'm very thankful for all of you listeners and your continued interest in this podcast. And I hope I'm giving this industry a platform that is doing it justice. Ah, Well, happy Monday, everyone. Till next week. Stay curious.